0: Today it's a different place All the same with a new face With strange mysteries hanging in the air
1: Hey everybody, ghoulish greetings to each of you. Those cool tunes you just heard are of course courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow and thank you so much for stopping by Paranormal Prowler's podcast. Marianne Nichols Annie Chapman Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. What do these women have in common? These five women all came face to face, pure evil, and met horrendous, gory deaths in the Whitechapel district of London. Her life is gone in an instant by a man known- The year is 1888. A murderer is on the loose. Soiled doves are being brutally murdered. Just who exactly is slicing and dicing these women? Responsible for the Whitechapel murders, we of course know him as Jack the Ripper. But who's the man behind the name? My friend Russell Stephen Edwards is a Ripperologist from the beautiful United Kingdom, and he's here this week To talk all things Jack the Ripper. Russell Stephen Edwards, my friend, thank you so very much for joining me. Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast.
0: It's a pleasure. Nice to be on here.
1: Pleasure is absolutely all mine. I always have a blast talking with you. Now, Russell, going to Whitechapel has always been on my list of places to go to. I mean, to be honest, I love to go everywhere in the UK, but the Whitechapel I've always wanted to go to just the whole area in general. I know you've been there several, several times. Can you describe that area for us?
0: Yeah, of course. Well, as you know, back in the 19th century, it was very impoverished and a mass place for immigration. But nowadays, you know what? People go there and it's still, it's vibrant with the Bangladeshi community, with all the curry houses and Brick Lane. Now Spitalfields at the other end um, of Brick Lane is now becoming sort of a very new, vibrant Soho, if you like. So it's quite alive with a lot of of history. So the thing is when people read books or they look at documentaries, especially about Jack the Ripper, you think it's all gone, but there's a huge amount that's still there. And all you have to do is look, but you can still still see the remnants of prostitution. You can still see the remnants of homelessness down there. And there's still cobbled streets. There's still the Georgian houses, not as many as there was obviously. But it's still alive it's it's got this certain it's got this certain feel about it that it's funny you can't get that feeling in any other part of London I found, so you know what very well worth a visit and it's a, there's something magnetic about the East End that's very hard to put a finger on, but it's once you you go there you'll know exactly what I mean, fantastic,
1: yes. And that was what I was actually curious I was going to ask about was like if there's still a lot of the original buildings there and stuff. And I just I look online at your pictures that you post about throughout that area. And it just boggles my mind when you're there, Russell, do you ever envision uh, the victims walking down the street or Saucy Jack lurking in the shadows?
0: It's funny, you know, because doing the research that I've done, so I've been there all hours of day and night, but especially in the you know, the, the dead of night, if you like, when London sort goes to sleep, and it's got this motionless, you know, it's like a, a very weird, eerie feeling. Um, obviously, I knew where he lived, uh, the murder scenes, so when you walk around these at specific times, which I did during the research, you can really feel... It's it's really odd that the amount of people that visit that area for this specific story, you know, you read the reviews, you'll see the sensation they feel when they literally you take them like a step back in time. It's quite amazing, really.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, the known five victims, as we know, are Marianne yeah. Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, katherine eddowes and mary jane kelly besides their occupation russell is there anything else that they had in common that you know of
0: you know what they literally lived a stone's throw from each other so Mm. in dorset street where mary kelly sort of a little off she was a little alley called miller's court so that's where mary kelly had her own room but we know the two, I think it was Catherine Edwards and Annie Chapman, they had, they stayed very regularly in, in the Doss Houses in Dorset Street. So it's really odd because there's never been a link, you know, to say they knew each other. No one's ever, you know, researched out and thought, you know what, well, actually they must have known each other. But there's never, you know, they portray that in the films. Yeah. There's nothing documented where they actually were friends or had knowledge of each other. But I say that, but when... Um, Catherine Eddowes uh, was arrested the first words but I think she said she was arrested what she lived, said nothing and then she gave the name Mary Ann Kelly I know Mary Jane Kelly literally was where she was you know literally the address that she gave in well, I think of the name I'll come to the name in a minute where she where she said she lived it's literally within five not even I'd say two minutes walk from where Mary Kelly lived where the address uh, Fashion Street it was where she gave the address of her where she said she was living at the time the pub next door the I think it was the Queen's Head pub on that night an hour before roughly that Catherine Eddowes was arrested Elizabeth Stride was in the pub next door on that same night and they were the two murder victims of the evening so it's really you know you can do the crossovers and when I give talks on this one of the interesting facts that I find the names. So you say the canonical five, which you've said, but of course there's Martha Tabram before, and then there's Emma Smith before Martha Tabram. Now Martha Tabram, on the night that she was murdered, she was out with a, a friend called Pearlie Poll. Then Polly Nichols was uh, the first victim. and um, Then you come to Annie Chapman, who was seen by a woman called Elizabeth Long. That night and Long Liz was the nickname of Elizabeth Stride. Mm. Catherine Edwards gave the name of the fifth victim virtually when she was arrested. So there's there's like a crossover of names. I know the area. You can do, I would say fifteen uh, fifteen to twenty minute route if you like. And in that they all live there, and it's very hard to think that they never cross paths. Right. Yeah. No. Right. I always
1: thought that. They had to have known each other you know all in that little area and of course yeah. all being prostitutes
0: i was going to say at the end of uh, Dorset street where mary kelly uh, where mary kelly lived was a pub called the britannia or the ringers which is sort of if you do it like a v and if you do the right top of a v that's the queen's head you do the bottom of the v is the britannia and then you go up to the left part of the v and that's the ten bells pub and that's basically where they all went you know but they all virtually drank the Britannia at the end of Dorset Street anyway and it's it's phenomenal that there's there's no link no one's ever mentioned oh they knew each other and it's quite phenomenal that you know that there's no ch- no way I'd, I'd never say because it, it can never be proven that they were friends you know but they've got to have done they've, they must have done but there was lots there was a 12 to 1600 what they call unfortunates all milling around that area at the time so you just never know
1: right absolutely, and it, and if they weren't friends, then I would imagine at least acquaintances like knew of each other and
0: yeah i I'd, I'd say you know what it would be very hard to imagine that they didn't uh bump shoulders or you know walk past it's just it's just impossible to think that they didn't because now in the streets they're very small, you know it's very very, very small area where where the ripper committed his crimes, very small. And at one point, if you stand at the Ten Bells, if you sort of look right, that's where the second victim was, um, Annie Chapman was murdered. If you go diagonally left, that's where Mary Kelly was. If you look left, literally through three, three Rose Downs, Thrall Street, where Polly Nichols lived. You know, And um, again, Elizabeth Stride used to drink in the Queen's Head, which is literally one minute to walk away from the Ten Bells. So they're very much on the, the doorstep of the Ripper.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had no clue that it was that small. And I liked how you described it as a V, you know, and just the points and stuff. Now, Russell, why do you think Mary was mutilated so much more than the other ladies? I mean, it was exceptionally brutal. So much more time was spent with this woman's body. Body parts were taken in place. The body was posed in a weird position. I mean, it was totally overkill.
0: Yeah. Well, he did position the victims in a specific way, which you know it sort of give his trademark. But the thing he had with Mary Kelly, and not the other four, was he had time. The other four he had to it was he had to be very quick, and um, to do what he did and to evade capture. Whereas Mary Kelly, he had at least over two hours to do what he wanted to do. But we know with serial killers usually they increased their violence towards uh, the victims as they progress through the murders, you know? But he did have over two hours.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. He had that long, I guess because it was in a residence reading a little through what happened. I know, I think it was Catherine Eddowes and she was found on the street. Right. And they said that like it took over five minutes for him to do that. And five minutes to you and me probably seem really quick, but when you're committing a heinous crime, like a murder, I'm sure five minutes seems like an hour, especially, you know, being on the streets where people could see makes you kind of wonder if people may have even seen something. Cause five minutes, you'd imagine maybe somebody might've heard or seen something and maybe they were just too terrified to speak up.
0: Ah, uh, That's very interesting. You should say that because, you know, but it came like a thief in the night, if you like, because hardly anybody heard him. Nobody heard him, in fact. Mm. He chose his locations carefully, I think. And, very, you know, at that time of the night, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, she was found at quarter to two in the morning. Um, you know, where that was, my well is a very dark, dingy, nondescript type of place. And in the corner where he did, he, 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 yeah, you're right, he had up to... Knowing what I know, um, I've had the, you know, I've had the Ministry of Justice with me, Home Office, um, I've had uh, people who do autopsies, and they all agree it's about between four and five minutes if he knew exactly what he was doing to commit those, what he did to to Catherine. Um, But he had an, he only had an eight-minute window, and in that he had to evade capture as well. But when you look at it, you know, it literally more interestingly, is Polly Nichols is when she was murdered in Buckstrow there was a woman um, that couldn't sleep in the house next door Mm -hmm. sort of where the yard outside where she was murdered and she was pacing a bedroom she didn't hear a thing so where the yard drop who knows who knows Uh, but yeah he did you know literally like a literally like a specter in and out undiscovered
1: right very interesting so you know I know in his notes, Dr. Thomas Bond says that the killer does not possess the technical knowledge of a butcher or a horse slaughterer or even a person that's accustomed to cut up dead animals. Would you agree with this statement? Because I know with Mary Kelly, obviously, it looked like a slaughterhouse. But with the others, I thought I thought it was more like precise incisions and like it was seemed like he knew what he was doing.
0: Interesting. An interesting point this because the uh, the guys that carried out the autopsy they did conflict one said he didn't have anatomical knowledge the other one said he would have had anatomical knowledge but if you go back to that time uh, when thomas bond yes uh, dr Bond, when he did because he did the criminal profile and um, he said didn't possess you know when you think about it that would have immediately put the guilt if you like or the direction of suspicion over to the, the you know the, the surgical uh, society and the, the, you know so maybe, I, I don't know why he would have said that because definitely we know with Catherine Erdos there was, there was more um, how can I put this precise cut in, especially with what he took because you know he took body parts not so much Annie Chapman I've just done a, re- a lot of research into Annie right now but something I'm doing and he sort of looked, took a clump of Annie, if you like, and um, we know that Polly was basically, you know, she was disembarable. you say her, what do we a viscera was protruding. With we you know the third victim, he didn't have time, so he didn't take anything with him. And yes, with Mary Kelly, you know, you couldn't say because it was just, as you say, small slaughter. You know, taking the, the, the human being apart and sort of dehumanising it. So it's up for debate. But again, we don't know because we weren't there at the time.
1: Right, absolutely. You know, after Mary Jane Kelly's death, more Whitechapel murders occurred. And I didn't know this, but and I'm sure I I know you do, but that of Rose Milette, who was first thought to be a suicide, but evidence proved that she was murdered. And then we have Alice McKenzie, and then the poor, unfortunate, unidentified woman dubbed the... Is it Pynchon, Pynchon Street Dor- Torso, and
0: Pynchon Street Torso, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. Francis Cole. So in your opinion, Russell, do you consider these Jack the Ripper victims, or do you think that he stopped after Mary Jane Kelly, which to me, I don't think that, you know, with the scene he left behind the last time, how he could stop, or do you think it's possibly
0: another serial killer? Um, you know what? So number one is the after the fifth victim, We'll come to the Pinch Street torso in a minute, but the others, the uh, the atrocities, were nowhere near as extreme as they were, and I think that the way that they were murdered and laid out was nothing like. So they could tell straight away what they weren't Ripper murders. Mm. Now it is interesting that the, so knowing where Kasminsky lived, knowing where Elizabeth Stride is, if you when you come over, I'll show you geographically. The Pinchon Street Torso is only maybe seven, eight minutes' walk from where Elizabeth Stride was murdered. And the Pinchon Street Torso, the date of that was the 11th of September, 1865. It just so happens that Kosminski's birthday is the 11th of September.
1: Wow. So, it was, so that's
0: So he's born, sorry, 1865. The Pinchon Street Torso was the 11th of September, 1889. Sorry. So it was a year after. But yeah, that's Kozminski's birthday.
1: Wow. So
0: it's yeah, they never. I don't know if they ever found who the penitentiary torso was, but literally, it's off by Church Lane. You're talking minutes, minutes away from the from uh, the third victim, oh. and about ten minutes, not less than less than ten minutes from where Kozminski lived at the time. Oh my God, mind blowing! But I'd never say I. I could never. You know, what I've done is pure fact, based on fact and scientific research, so I could never speculate. But it is interesting, the date of the Pension Street torso.
1: Right, absolutely. Now, you know, so we have the, the five that we know of, and do you think that there's possibly yeah. others out there? Do you think that Emma, Elizabeth Smith, and Martha Tabram are victims as well of the Ripper?
0: You know what? Uh, emma smith uh, more like a murder um she did, i don't know if she resisted payments of the thugs or the high rip gangs who used to bully these women at the time but they tried to just take a livelihood and mug her and there was three of them the, the, open speculation on that one but when it comes to martha tabram interestingly enough long sharp blade you know six to eight inches in length the veracity of what he did to Martha because when you, you know, the research and work out an analyst, analysis of the murders, you look at, you know, when you stab someone 39 times, mm. you say that's very personal, you know, do you stab somebody and run away? Do you, he made you know, I've got a feeling, I have stated this before, that was his first attempt, but of course you could never prove that. But there's a feeling, considering the geography and considering where. Um, Arthur Tabram was, but she was murdered. There's a feeling that she possibly, there's a possibility she was his first.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Now, you know, Russell, many serial killers in the past and present day, they just get off on taunting the authorities and the communities. One way yeah. they do this, as we know, is by letter. And the Ripper himself did this a few times, Russell. What can you tell us about the letters or the postcards?
0: Yeah, um, interesting enough. I've just done work again, and there was speculation at the time. Uh, the dear boss letter, written in red ink, we that that's known to be an enter- enterprising journalist that actually was named uh, several years after, decades after so we know the Dear Boss letter name, given the legend of the name Jack the Ripper, wasn't written by the murderer, but the thing is the Saucy Jackie postcard another one, that come out, I think it was the 1st of October, be just after the double event where you know, Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Edwards was murdered within an hour they, they speculated that the handwriting on the saucy Jackie postcard is very similar to the Dear Boss letter. So, and when you look, there is there's quite a lot of similarities. Again, I'm not a handwriting expert. They knew all the other letters were fake. Saucy Jackie was fake. Everything was fake. But the one interesting thing was the the From Hell letter that was received by um, was it George Lusk, the head of the vigilance committee on the. Sixteenth of October, eighteen eighty-eight, with half a kidney. That's the one that is the most fascinating because it's not signed, Jack the Ripper. It's very sharp. There's a very the, all the analysis of the misspelling. So you could say that was an immigrant that didn't have full knowledge of, of you know the English language, if you like. If anything, I would say that's the one to look at, even though it did disappear a few weeks after it was you know that it was sent. So that's the only letter that's worth looking at.
1: And see, this is why I love talking with you, because I I always learn things about this case when I talk to you. And it's just... Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. So walk us through, if you will, some of your research and the ultimate search for the unnamed mysterious killer. I know it was hard work and countless hours and dedication. I remember the first time when we talked and you were on my radio show at least 2 years ago and I remember you were talking about it and I think it was your little daughter, she was with you and she was yeah. she was it was so cute cuz she she just you could hear the excitement in her voice like, "Yes, my daddy
0: found out." Yeah. It was so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was yes, a journey. Exactly. Was it- um, yeah, so, so if we go back to, it still is, so it's not countless hours, it's decades, it's years. Yes. A lot of work, you know. You remember I have been in the East End. I mean, I've not been there. For, I'm, up, I'm up in Merseyside at the moment, so I'm locked down. But, you know, it started, really, back in, oh, 19, 19, 19. So it's, that's when I first went to the East End. And again, as I explained at the beginning, it does have something about it. It's very magnetic. It's very hard to just—you you have to be there to experience it. And most people will come with me. They—they oh, they, they know you—you you know once you've been there. Um, but really, once you go once, it's sort of—I was drawn there. I didn't know why at the time. So it was eleven years I'd been in East End before the, the story of Jack the Ripper came up with from Hell, the film. And then I went on a tour and found out about the story. And that's how I was interested, thinking it was fascinating. So as I picked up on something, that uh, something big had happened there but you couldn't really place it, then I realised all the murders had happened where I'd been for 11 years. Um, And that's where I got the story. So really some of the research was based on primary research. So after doing five years at university, so I've done 10 years at uni now, but going back then, I'm a firm believer in primary research, which means you can pick up any book and you can read someone's opinion or understanding of the story, but if you want it for your first hand, uh, you go to the archives, which are in queue, and read it yourself, because there the police files are, that's what you can get. So one, there's there's a, there's loads, so I'll give you two little instances if you read the murder of uh, Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes technically yes they were murdered on the 30th of September because it was in the early hours it was like one o'clock and 14, uh, 145 when they were discovered hmm. but actually it was the night of the 29th of september now if you go into the archives and you look they're both documented as elizabeth uh, stride 29th of september catherine Eddowes 29th of september there's a statement of a man and uh, that was discovered with blood the night after so the morning of the 8th of September when Annie Chapman was discovered murdered and there's a woman in a pub called Mrs Fiddimont that said a man come in and had a drink and he was covered in blood Ooh. and it's got the name of a man called Joseph Schmidt. now obviously I've done the files i found found uh, Schmidt and his name's Jacob so you, everybody misinterprets a story because they think that's somebody's written and they think I'll oh, take it as read go and do the primary research that's where you find the real story, the real answers. So when we talk, Doctor, uh, I think it was Doctor Thomas Bond. When I went to do the original the research, which is his um, uh, criminal profile, one of the first is in there. It's as if, for me, when you know the man that I named, it's as if they caught him, and then they wrote the the criminal profile on him because it's exactly who he is. So it's, 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 that's what I talk about the research. The research takes you, it pulls you in. And I've recently spoken to a guy that's found a letter that's, that links to the murders. Mm. And he's at the, 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 the other end of this journey that I'm at. And it does engross you. So the more primary research you can do, and it's all there for you to find, not a lot of it's missing. You can find out for yourself... And that's where i strong advocate of that. Somebody did confront me and said, oh, you know what, this book says this and this author says this, and it conflicts with you. I said, yeah, but you've read that book. Have you gone and done the research? Because if you had, you know, you wouldn't be saying this to me. So people who read books and lots of supposition with the what if and whatevers, they're the people that I find, well, go and do the research and then go back and look at what you've just said and you'll find that you would conflict with your statements so that's what i'd say
1: that's so a good point go. because just because there's a book with something in it doesn't mean that it's true yeah. you know that's that absolutely you know that could be a made-up thing that could be fiction non-fiction yeah. it could be somebody's opinion i mean it's just a lot so you're right research goes yeah. a long way not just reading a book i mean i'm a huge avid reader but i don't you know take yeah. every it, single word with the <laughs> yeah Yeah, and I know that, you know, there was evidence there. the
0: disparity of opinion.
1: Right, yes. And I know that there were other types of evidence, such as, like, the shawl. What was the importance of this shawl?
0: Okay, so the one thing about the shawl, it took me a lot of work before I bought it to know that what I was buying. But really, there is no other physical evidence of this magnitude, if you like in existence. Mm. So that's the significance of this because the victims, you know, even though those possessions were documented the Shaw wasn't even part of it at the time. Thankfully there's 13 newspapers that got that report, you know, about this garment before or before it was taken, if you like, before it was given away, if you like. And the shores is the only physical piece of evidence linking the murders. And that's the significance of that, really. Because all, all the victims' possessions were burned. The, where they were found, was all the evidence was washed away. And I know that if you look back then to where we are now, the opposite. So, you know, the, you never thought of taking DNA samples or anything or crime scene evidence back then. Whereas now, if they did what they did today back then, I'm sure they would have found the murderer
1: quicker my god it's just it's bone chilling and so this case everybody knows about this case jack the ripper i i don't think there's one person out there that doesn't know about this case now russell describe the moment yeah. you found out the identity of jack the ripper
0: you know what i before the show before everything when i did the research i came to the logical conclusion without any real evidence you could say anybody was jack the ripper and try and fit a story around it which is what people i find have done um, and good luck to them i only fa- i did have somebody in mind even though it couldn't be proven he was there at the time and um, you can say anyone you can literally you know people are saying i think it's james, May- james maybrick's brothers the murderer and you think well how could you could you put that in a court of law? No, but you can su- su- suppose that he was there. There's a very spurious one called Uncle Jack which I dug out a book from my archives uh, quite recently and that's because he, this guy treated Polly Nichols once and because of this this guy said well he was Jack the Ripper. All great st- stories to fill. So when I identified something very significant on the shore I knew it had been in the crime museum at Scotland Yard and I called Scotland Yard and this significant information that I had I shared with the, the curator of Scotland Yard at the time and because I, I let him know that he told me who Jack the Ripper was so it was because Scotland Yard gave me the name which is why I worked on that name and no other it was, and I'll tell you what the sensation was like um, falling off your chair and not falling off your chair all at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could only imagine. I that must have been mind blowing. I mean, because this case, eighteen eighty eight. I mean, and what year was this when this happened? When when you found
0: out? Oh, um, it was two thousand and seven.
1: Wow. Yeah, it was so
0: 2007. Yeah, uh,
1: a very old, cold case for sure. So, like you said, there were so many suspects. I think even some royal members. right? Am I correct in saying that that there were even uh, some?
0: Okay, so this is the thing: people get fixated on suspects. Prince Albert Victor, so Queen Victoria's Queen Victoria's son was named as a suspect and yet he wasn't even in london at the mm. time of the murders and in fact uh, one of the murders he was with in balmoral with queen victoria herself oh, wow. and yet they still so he's with the queen of england so how on earth and yet you know um he's meant to have murdered these so mm. no you know so yes it's a great romantic story, if you like. <laughs> and I remember a documentary in 1988 saying that the, if somebody would have said now, uh, back in 1988, that if Queen, uh, Prince Albert Victor was the Ripper, they'd have a huge case of defamation or libel against that person. So people just arbitrarily throw names out there. Right. And they're I'll give you one more. Walter Sickert, who was meant to be uh, Patricia Cornwell's prime suspect, Through DNA on a stamp. Um, He was in Paris. So he got on a train from Paris, got over to London, murdered somebody, got back on a train and went back to Paris. It's like, well, that's quite a big ask and a quite a big guess that he was Jack the Ripper. So he wasn't, you know, people weren't even in the country. Beaming was meant to be in um, South Africa at the time, another guy, another suspect. So they're all just suspects that just people get fixated on. Not, no, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. They're not suspects at all. They're just named people that people get fixated on yeah. and try and fix that, and fit that name to the story. There were only ever three named suspects. And Kasminsky was one of those.
1: Before you actually found out who it was, did you have other suspects?
0: Uh, yes, of course. Well, there was one guy, he was a, a scoundrel as a as an individual, uh, like a con man if you like. Mm. Um but a guy called Frederick Bailey Demon who I mentioned earlier. What got me sort of interested in him was he married a woman from Birkenhead where I'm my hometown. Um and what he did was he murdered his four children and he murdered his wives. So that's how he got caught when he, he he did a flip from England to Australia it was he cut the throats so he had something like a a 15 year old a 10 year old a seven so young kids and an 18 month old daughter oh my God. Who he cut the throat of yeah yeah i only cut the throats of his wife and buried them all in, in the hearth of the kitchen of his house jeez so i can't i can't imagine anybody i I'm am i'm a dad myself right. murdering your own children in that manner And then he disappeared off to Australia and claimed that he was Jack the Ripper. So he, and there was a death mask which still exists, and of him. And I thought, God, he, you know, if, who was this man? And there's a thing quite interesting because he had a big moustache, a ginger, if you like, redhead, uh, or Auburn. And Mary Kelly, on the night that she was murdered, an eyewitness called George Hutchinson saw Mary Kelly walking into a room with a man, walking back to her place with a man having a carroty moustache and a blotchy complexion and that's where I got the link for demon. but again, that was the only person I ever took an interest in and then it wasn't until Scotland Yard told me who it really was that Demon just, you know there was no way you could ever prove Demon was there anyway right. you know, but that was the only one
1: Wow, yeah. so he he was certainly a murderer, but not the yeah. murderer that you were in that's search right. for. And yeah, I'm with you. I don't have children, but I can't imagine just brutally murdering all of your children and then your your spouse. I mean, what a monster! Yeah. Um,
0: exactly. Ooh. Exactly. Yeah.
1: My goodness, and and that's why I never understood because this isn't the first time somebody said that they were. Jack, the Ripper. Jack yeah. the Ripper, you know, and it's like, why would yeah. you? Why? I don't understand that. Now, maybe well, uh, you know, glory. Now these days, you know, it seems like serial killers are almost like glorified, maybe in some ways. But you know, yeah. back then, and I guess with him, it would make sense. He was already a killer. You know, maybe he yeah. just wanted. Up
0: the yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I think it, you know what to just go down as a uh, murderer, or to go down as Jack the Ripper because another guy just as he was being hanged said I'm Jack Fur," and he was hanged I think it was Thomas Neil Queen hmm. so his name th- got through into the mix but you know it's just to gain the notoriety you're going to be hanged anyway Right. try and claim something as big as this
1: what was he hanged for do you know
0: no no. no. again most of these names have no interest to me because right. they, It's once I just got on one had a little look and then it was Scotland Yard who said this is who it was and that was it never bothered with any anybody else though i did do the two uh the two other named suspects to eliminate them if you like and why wondered why they were named as suspects you know right but outside of that now
1: okay russell now the big main question what is the name of the man and tell us a little bit about him like what he sure
0: yeah so, uh, the man who committed these murders over a ten-week period, known as the awesome of Terror, in the autumn awesome of eighteen eighty-eight, was a Polish immigrant that came over to Whitechapel. He lived in Maryland Old Town, which is f- a stone throw away mm-hmm. in uh, eighteen eighty-one. Was a man by the name of Aaron Kuzminski.
1: Aaron Kuzminski. What did Aaron do for a living? Tell us a little little what you know about this monster.
0: Yeah, Um, he was um, on his um, admission into an asylum. His occupation was that of hairdresser. Uh, Back then hairdressers and barbers or barber surgeons performed rudimentary uh, procedures, um, medical procedures, you know, so he would have had some anatomical knowledge so that's where it says hairdresser though he was only t- he was 26 when he was admitted 23 at the time of the murders um the, the, the difference there's, a, there's an interesting story behind the, the gap because he was put um, into a, a workhouse um and then very closely watched because the, that's another bit of the story um but yeah he was um he had anatomical knowledge through his title, hairdresser in, in inverted commas. Mm. Okay, so we know that he was a, a, a occupation hairdresser. Do you want to know about him?
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit behind the man.
0: Sure. You know, he was. I think it was one of the youngest of the family when he was born in Cladawa in Poland. Again, I think it was the Tsar of Russia when he was attacked by the the. It was. I think there was a suicide bomber quite a horrendous story in itself but the pogroms sort of from from Poland really persecuted the Jewish population and they had to flee and he was one of those that fled with his family wow. um, and he had his brother he had a brother called Isaac an older brother who came over and established himself in, in Whitechapel just outside of Whitechapel so if I said Whitechapel High Street or Whitechapel Road to the left is Whitechapel to so the right next road up parallel is a place called End Old Town and that's how close so you, it's minutes and Isaac set himself up as a tailor uh, it became a master tailor like the father and uh, the family came over to him so there was there was Matilda Isaac uh, Wolf and Aaron Isaac Wolf and Matilda are all had residences and Aaron just used to sort of live between them and never had his own residence, even though when he was arrested, not arrested incarcerated, it was his brother Isaacs at Zion Square that's where he, where he was so he was given his brother's address so he didn't have a fixed abode himself and again, where the, if you look at where that is geographically you are just over five minutes from where, from where Martha Tabron was murdered same amount of time where Emma Smith was attacked, you are less than ten minutes from his front door to where the fifth victim was murdered mm. if you stand at the front door and literally go left the next road opposite is where the third murder happened so from door to door you're talking minutes very convenient so he was,
1: yeah he was very close Yes
0: yeah. but you know what It's bizarre thing is with this is where he lived was just on the periphery literally of Whitechapel so the police were looking in one main area, and he was literally living right on the edge of that. Oh
1: my goodness! So yeah. was he? Was he known to frequent prostitutes?
0: It's known that he was a misogynist. So on a statement, which is in the McNaughton Memorandum, which names him, he was a, mis- a no misogynist. He had a bitter hatred of women, and he's a. And in there, it says he's a possible suspect. Um. We, all we know that he had symptoms of schizophrenia. Some people call him a psychopath, but the schizophrenia signs was he he did. I don't really want to say that, but he did what solitary vices is what it said, which is basically played with himself uh, publicly, which is mm. known from uh, victims of schizophrenia. Um, also, he was aud- auditory hallucinations, so he heard voices a bit like the Yorkshire Ripper in the 70s, Peter Sutcliffe, where Peter Sutcliffe claimed that voices told him to commit these, the murders that he did, Kasminski had had auditory hallucinations. So that's, that's symptomatic of schizophrenia as well. Uh, but there's no, it doesn't say that he, he, he visited prostitutes, but he would have definitely been in the area. I just want to add something that not not many people know, but there is a, a Stanford Hill or Stoke Newington is a strong Jewish area now so in, so you read these stories and God were people walking the streets at 2, 3 in the morning if you're at these places which is only up the road um, there are a uh, Jewish community walking out at that time of night and interestingly enough the strong prostitute presence that was in Whitechapel used to exist in Stamford Hill or Stoke Newington so the huge volumes of them and then going back into the 90s you know, thankfully, it's all gone now. But it's yeah. interesting that the strong Jewish area and strong prostitutes uh, numbers were in both of those areas.
1: Mind blowing! And again, I just I love talking with you. You're just so full of knowledge. And do you do you still do tours? I mean, obviously not, not right really. now because the pandemic. No. But
0: no, no, I I, I stopped it a, a, quite a long time ago. And sort of just do private ones for people i you sort of get used to just just really the people that really want to hear the real truth,
1: right
0: you know I don't really want to do the comic if you like or the parody of the Ripper story right just for people's um gratification um it's it's all my this is all about the truth which people just don't want to have because <laughs> they like to perpetuate this myth you know.
1: Indeed, absolutely. You know, before we part ways today, talk a little bit, if you will, Russell, about your book, Naming Jack the Ripper, and where can people find it?
0: Ah, well, you can find it online. The book, Naming Jack the Ripper, it's a little bit of how I got into the East End from the beginning and the journey I took to be able to say who this man was. Um, we did, in the book, we, we put a little example of the science, and so many people really honed in on that, when really, there's so much science. What we did was we tried to make it user-friendly, um, and something in there they tried to pick on as an ex of a, um, a mistake, which was one of 13 things that we pinpointed on to prove this was Kozminski. The book itself is this fascinating insight on how I started from nothing, uh, just going into the East End, to being able to categorically state who the real Jack the Ripper was.
1: <laughs> that book has been on my list. I do have to get it. i That's another thing I love about just talking with people in the paranormal community and true crime community is that there's so many people like yourself that just fullheartedly heartedly and devotedly get into it you do the research you do your homework countless hours and it's amazing just reading about the findings in the books you know and and yeah. so people you should definitely check out russell stephen edwards book naming jack the ripper so go check that out online get it in your hands read it and check it out and Russell, before we go, how can people find you on social media if they want to learn more about your um, adventures or see those amazing pictures?
0: Oh yeah, uh, the real one I do now is the Jack the Ripper experience on Facebook. There, I, I put—that's where I post all the Ripper story on there.
1: Okay, perfect. Yes, very cool. Well, Russell, again, I know you're a busy fella, so I really do appreciate you taking time and doing this. And uh, hopefully this, you know, things will go back to normal soon, and then we'll be out and about, and you'll be back out on the streets of Whitechapel in no time.
0: Brilliant. Sure (laughs) will be. Thank you very much, Tess.
1: So there we have it, you guys. Russell, Stephen Edwards, really a neat guy. Always a pleasure talking with him. And... I tell you, it's on my list of things to do before I die to get out there and have him take me on one of those private tours because it's a case that has, like, always stuck with me, you know? It's just, like, for somebody... And, and of course, we have other cases like the Zodiac Killer and the Axeman in New Orleans. And there's so many other cases where Mm -hmm. they are never found or, you know, identified. And so it's refreshing for somebody to actually years and years of work to finally get some answers. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes. Listen to the others, you guys, they're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now. Just go to any podcast platform like Apple Podcast, Castbox, Overcast, Deezer, basically wherever you go. To listen to your other podcasts, you'll surely find Paranormal Prowler's podcast.
0: This week's special city shout-outs go to
1: Phoenix, Arizona, Española, New Mexico, or as the locals call it, Spana, and I know that because I used to live really close to there, Independence, Missouri, Grafton, Wisconsin, and Durban, South Africa. Thank you all for listening. It's very much appreciated, and especially a big shout-out to Russell Stephen Edwards for being on. He's always a delight to talk to.
0: See you next week. Jack the Ripper, the Phantom of Death, he will steal your final breath.